Welcome, friends. You're listening to the Swears and Does Hair podcast for bridal hairstylists and makeup artists looking to take their business to new levels. Here we tackle topics such as mindset, finances, balancing business with motherhood, and healthy strategies to keep your body and mind supporting your business rather than holding it back. I'm your host, Sue Minsky, business coach for bridal hairstylists and creator of the Next Level Bridal Business Program. Thanks for joining me. I can't wait to dig into today's topic, so let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to today's episode of the Swears and Does Hair podcast. I am Sue, your host, and today I have Paige with me from The Legal Page. Welcome, Paige. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, why don't you take a second to introduce yourself to the audience, let them know who you are, what you do, and how you can help them. Of course. Hi, everyone. My name is Paige Griffith. I'm an attorney and the owner of The Legal Page. We are a legal education platform online. So we have blogs. We have our own podcast, The Legal Page Podcast. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, We have a Facebook community where thousands of small business owners and entrepreneurs get together to ask questions. Um, So really, if you like to listen or you like to view videos or you like to read, we have every facet of education that you can imagine. And on top of that, we also sell legal documents and contract templates for small business owners. So it's as if you're pressing an easy button and you need something that came up with a sticky client situation, we are there to help you. And just a little bit about my background. So I started out in the wedding and event industry as an event planner. And then I also ran my own photography business for eight years. So during that time period, kind of near the end. I was in law school and then I worked for a federal judge and I really started seeing this void and gap in the industry of just good legal information and access Mm -hmm. to a lawyer with solopreneurs that, you know, can't afford thousands of dollars to, we're not corporations, right? Uh We can't have in-house counsel. It's hard to pay a retainer for a lawyer, let alone find a lawyer that even knows what we're doing and sending contracts online and marketing online and doing everything we do online. So uh, I decided to combine my two passions of entrepreneurship and the law into one and just turned away from the traditional law life quite a bit, didn't end up going and working for a firm or doing the partner route or anything along those lines. And that's where the legal page was born. So that's what I've done for the past five to six years. And it's still going strong. And I love doing it. And I'm passionate about helping small business owners each and every day. That's awesome. I love that you kind of combined everything. There's so many little facets of you know your backstory and how it all kind of came together to create this perfect storm of being able to to help small business owners because like you said not all of us can really afford to have that um like the legal retainers and all of these things and it's like okay what do, what do people like us do because we still need the same level of protection we still need that same security to be able to run our businesses you know knowing that we're doing things right and that we are um that we're protected too. So I love that. I love your mission. I love what you stand for. And I love your contract templates because I use that one of them. 
So. Oh, I'm so glad you do. Yeah, we we've just really seen this trend in the online world where people just want one. We're all busy, so we want answers quickly, mm-hmm. and we want them to be legitimate. And it's easy to go down Google rabbit holes or like ask your lawyer friend whose expertise is in a totally different <laughs> realm of the law. Yeah, I see that all the time. <laughs> and and or you're asking your colleague, and maybe they're giving you misinformation because they're not an attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really try to be a one-stop shop for everyone where they can glean information quickly Uh or they can ask questions in our Facebook community and myself and my legal team monitor that community. It's a really collegial group Mm -hmm. and it's a way for you to not have to write pay per hour, $500 plus per hour for an attorney or something along those lines. And if you just have something really simple, I can guarantee you asking that in our group environment Uh gives other people that same information because they probably had the question too and they just didn't ask. So it's been really cool to see how this business has grown over, you know, the past couple of years in particular, when everyone has really had laser beam focus on their contracts and exactly. legality surrounding their business, as we've all known. That's kind of the silver lining is what I like to call it over the the past um, tumultuous couple of years. But as business owners, I think we are coming out on the other side better. Yeah, I do think that the last few years, the struggle that it has been has also been really great for the wedding industry too, because like you said, so many people are reevaluating their contracts and realizing where their weaknesses were in their contract and people who realize that they do need to have a contract because I feel like that's really an issue uh, particularly for the hair and the makeup industry because yeah as a hair makeup artist I can tell you every year I get people who you know a week or two before their wedding are calling around and emailing everybody in a panic because the person that they hired um, is now bailed on them or they haven't heard from them in weeks. And my first question I always ask them is, did you have a contract with this artist? And 99% of the time they're like, no, I didn't. And I'm like, did you pay a retainer? And they're like, no, I didn't. And I'm like, well, all right, I can't do anything for you, but you know, and so as a consumer, they're not even thinking like, wait, I have to do a contract with a hairstylist and a makeup artist. I don't have to do that for booking an appointment at a salon. So to them as a consumer, it doesn't seem like it's off. And so as artists, a lot of them are like, well, why would I need to do that too? And I think it's really helped to bring it to the forefront that no, if you're going to be doing stuff for weddings, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, you know, an event for people, you know, this is not a haircut. This is not a, you know, a hair color or a facial or whatnot that you can't bail on people last minute. You have to hold yourself accountable if you want to be legitimate for business. Yeah. You hit everything that I could have said there. (laughs) It's really changing the frame of mind in the hair and makeup artistry industry because everyone used to do things a certain way. And then we were all kind of like whiplashed Uh a little bit in 2020 and realizing, oh my gosh, I didn't, you know, like, you know how important these events are to people. Mm -hmm. Um, But put the emotions and the amount of like money behind it and people behind it. And then if something were to happen and it were to go sideways for whatever reason, you need to be protected in that situation. So 
it, it is a good thing now mm-hmm. that I feel like hair and makeup artists are looking at the legalities and back end of their business a little bit more clearly. And I'm excited to kind of tell them my suggestions in this episode today. Awesome. So let's go with, you know, starting out when somebody is looking, say they're, they realize, all right, I need to start from scratch. I need a contract. Um, do you recommend going with a template and then having that tweaked by a lawyer? Um, obviously, you know, you guys do contract templates and it's going to be more cost effective. But if somebody's starting out from scratch, like what would your, your that first thing, what would they look for? Yeah, I always, always tell people a contract template written by an attorney is a great starting point. So be mindful of templates that are like in programs and they're Mm -hmm. not necessarily written by an attorney. Maybe they're written by just someone in the industry. They don't have a legal background Mm -hmm. um, and they also don't have a professional degree and they're probably not experts in that field. They also probably aren't updating it or looking at it as a living document. So just be aware of that. But I always said it's a template is the best place that you can begin because it's going to illuminate to you all of the clauses that really need to be in your Mm -hmm. hair artist contract, right? Makeup artist contract. Um, And then you just need to think about your business practices and customize it for what works and feels best for your business. So Mm -hmm. for instance, if you offer trial runs, right? For hair and makeup, Uh then you need to make sure you put that in your contract. And not only that, but you need to specify you know, are they included in your package? Are they there for an additional fee? What happens if they do their trial run, but then they don't want to do your services anymore? Like how does that work with the retainer and fees paid? So these are the kind of things that should you should be going through uh-huh. when you get your contract template. Of course, it's written for a general audience, uh-huh. but you just may do your business a little bit differently. And then the last thing I will say is it's not I, of course, we have to disclaim that if you change any like very specific legal language in your contract, uh-huh, yeah. I wouldn't do that without an attorney's help in your state. But there are specific provisions just related to your services that don't have legalese or legal language in them, mm-hmm. right? It's just your business policies written in sentences. And so you can modify those on your own, no problem without it impacting the legality or right it being mm-hmm. an an actual enforceable contract. It's mainly like stay away from the bottom portion of your contract (laughs) that has those general provisions that Uh you're like, Ooh, if you get heated and your heart starts racing a little bit harder (laughs) and faster when you're reviewing that clause, then I wouldn't touch it. But if it's just your business practices, you can absolutely modify that on your own. We have the freedom to contract in the United States. So contracts are valid, even if they're written on a napkin, which is crazy. That's that's interesting. That's interesting to know. I didn't realize um, that that provision was in there in the, in the, the, you know, the overall legal thing that we can, we can write contracts out ourselves. Um, so like when I'm doing my coaching with my, my students and stuff, I, I run them through, a series of if then statements when it comes to Mm -hmm. like the contract portion of their course. And I tell them, you know, I can't, I don't give a contract. I I refer everybody to get a contract template through you actually. Um, But I tell them, okay, here's a series of statements I want you to answer before you look for, you know, a contract template to make sure that all of these situations are covered in that, um, that template 
or you speak with a lawyer in your state to modify it to fit your business practices. So I have like a whole list. I'm like, well, if this happens, then this kicks in. You know, if if somebody wants to reduce the number of services, then how are you going to handle that? And I walk them kind of through that so that that way, when it comes to, you know, putting those policies into place into a contract, they already have an idea of like, okay, well, if this situation happens, how is my contract going to cover it? How is that going to be handled? So that way it's in there. And then when the situation does happen, they already know, okay, that's already covered inside my contract. Cause I see a lot of people in like Facebook groups and stuff like that. And they'll be like, well, such and such happened. What do I do? And the first question, a lot of other people will ask, well, what does your contract say? And then that whole kind of rabbit hole opens up. And so I kind of try and work my, my students through, okay, well, let's think everything out. If this happens, then what protections do we need in place for us? And what protections does your client need in place for them? Um, so I kind of walk them through a lot of those things. Um, is there any type of like situation like that where you can think of like, okay, like this should be in um, a contract? Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. So I, what you're kind of doing for people, and I love this as a business coach, is kind of helping them DIY a contract audit before they even get a contract template. Uh-huh. Or before, like if they already have one, really seeing the holes that are in their existing contract. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so I have a couple points to add here. First and foremost, um, you need kind of, you need to know what you don't know. And Uh that's one of the main missions behind the legal page, right? Uh Like I'm a lawyer. I'm not an expert in the hair industry. You are. But I'm your expert in the legal industry for online entrepreneurs. So You want to go to a source that's reputable. And for us, we have kind of made a checklist for people. Uh And I found a way to do this in a roundabout way for every single contract. And so as you're walking people through, okay, what are these scenarios that you want to be sure are covered in your contract? If you guys go to a product page on our website, Mm -hmm. say you go to the um, hairstylist contract uh-huh. and you click on the what's included tab or clauses included tab, it will have a list of like the 20 to 30 Perfect. clauses in that full length contract. And mm-hmm. that's your checklist. So if you have, you know, a smaller contract that you're using, or you have an existing contract that maybe you got from a colleague or something along those lines, uh-huh. hopefully you didn't Google it. But if you did, and you're, are you using that, use this as a checklist to be like, oh my gosh, I'm actually missing a lot in my contract on top of what Suzanne told me. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the last thing I just wanted to say is this is something you need to do every year or at least every two years. Mm-hmm. You do a DIY contract audit on yourself. Contracts get you right like 95% of the way there. Mm-hmm. There is no business in the entire world that is 100% legally legit and covered, right? You're, exactly, you, yeah. you're going to have risk and liability no matter what you do as a business owner, no matter how good your contract t- template is. It doesn't matter if corporations have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on their in-house counsel to write that contract. Mm-hmm. Like there, there could be implications that come. And, and yeah, things, life happens. Things happen. Nobody expected COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Things happen. And so, 
you know, even when you get a contract template that's super thorough, there are going to be things that happen and you may need to go back and kind of modify or add in things related to your specific region or industry or like what clients are doing in your area. Mm -hmm. What have you faced with client issues throughout that year? And then you just tweak as necessary. Contracts are living documents. They should be changed. They should be modified. They should be negotiated. And the one thing with TLP contracts in particular that I made it a point when I first started my business, like I'm not just going to write a template and assume that it's good mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm not an expert in the field. And so we always, always, always have industry professionals that are very experienced, such as yourself, like coaches and people who are now in the education stage, mm-hmm. review our contract templates for that specific industry and give us feedback mm-hmm. because they're going to tell us exactly what you just said. Like, what what do you want to make sure is covered? Uh-huh. Right. They're going to tell me like this is missing. Let's add a clause in. And so when that pops up, even over the years, we go back in and edit our contracts and you get lifetime access to any updates with your purchase. Like it's not additional Mm -hmm. um, because I truly believe that contracts are living documents and need to be changed. So just like a couple little tips there for people. Mm -hmm. It's okay if you don't have like the most perfect contract right now, because no contract is perfect. Mm -hmm. And it is just, it's an evolution, right? Your business is a journey, just like your contract is a journey throughout the years. Yeah. And your business is going to evolve and you're going to realize, you know, maybe the way that I was doing things doesn't support the mission of my business as fully as it could. Maybe I should, I should, you know, shift the way that I do things. Um, You know, not everybody runs their retainers the same. Some people have flat fees. I know that's just something that you've discussed a lot before, you know, in your, in your blog and your podcast and things like that. Should they, should people consider flat fee versus, you know, percentages, things like that. You may want to shift to a different payment structure instead of like if you were doing 50 and 50 into three payments or quarterly payments, you know, so a lot of people will make changes to their business structure. And then I think they kind of forget, oh, wait a second, I need to update my contract with that too, and make sure that everything is still all lined back up again. Um, So when you make changes to a contract, um, should you still have it reviewed by um, a lawyer as well? Or if we're making minor tweaks and things like that, is that something that we can do on our own? What's your recommendation when it comes to that? Yeah. I mean, it depends. That's such a lawyer answer and (laughs) I have to give it here because that's really true. Right. So just think about, are you changing the actual legal language? Does this clause impact another clause? Perhaps if that's the case, then definitely have an attorney in your state review it. Uh But um, for the most part, you can modify specific clauses related to like your business practices yourself. And we walk people through that in our contract templates. We have memos on the side. Um, If we don't want you to touch that cause, we're going to, we're not going to tell you, you can modify that. Um, and then just be, be aware, right. There are some specific state laws that could be applicable to your contract that we just can't anticipate because laws are changing every day, Mm -hmm. all the time. Uh, there's case law, case precedent coming out. And of course, state laws from legislatures coming out. So we create contract templates that everyone can use, which means we use general contract laws across the United States. And they're very similar. Um, We're not talking here like landlord tenant law that's changed from state to state. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like basic service provider contract laws are very similar across the board. But again, every state 
can enact specific contract laws that you may need to be aware of that year. Um, so regardless, a custom contract is upwards of three thousand to five thousand mm-hmm. dollars, like minimum right now with lawyers. Oh Whereas yeah. a contract review by a local uh-huh. attorney, if you have an existing contract, is so much less expensive if you already have a contract written because they're not starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. They're just reviewing it. It's gonna take them way less time. Yeah. So either way, it's a bigger bang for your buck to get a contract template that's written for your industry. Uh-huh. And probably that your lawyer down the street wouldn't even anticipate putting some of those clauses in without you specifically telling them to. Exactly. Because it's it's so industry specific and it's particularly with the wedding industry. There's just so much that the average person, unless they're working in it, wouldn't even think that things happen. They I, I hear horror stories all the time and, you know, I talk about them with, you know, guests when I'm doing hair or whatever bridal parties. And they'll be like, really? That's happened before? And I'm like, uh, yes, yes, it has. <laughs> People are crazy. And when it comes to weddings, I think everyone kind of can lose their mind a little bit sometimes they just kind of they they forget that other people are humans too and they can they can be a little crazy so um yeah and you guys have a really interesting period of time during a wedding (laughs) I always tell you hair and makeup artists out there because you are like the beginning of the day right and if they don't feel comfortable heading into the rest of their day and I know you probably teach this in all of your Uh coaching and Everyone has heard this, but from a lawyer and for someone who was a photographer in the industry, and I just know the industry so well, it is crazy that you guys, you guys are impacted more than other service providers Yep. because by the end of the day, they can loosen up or like they just, it's like so many other things have happened and they can kind of, right, like brush that off their shoulder. But at the beginning of the day, like emotions are so heightened and especially for women in particular, like they care about what their hair looks like and what their face looks like yep. heading into the rest of the day. And so it's it, right. And like bridal parties and there's so much that goes on in those initial few hours. Um, and you again, just want to be prepared for any of those situations and you're going to face some that you can not even anticipate. And then you're like, Whoa, that really just happened to me. Yeah. I- <laughs> or you're going to hear the story from your friend and be like, okay, how do I yep. prevent that from occurring or prepare myself if it does occur? Exactly. There there's definitely times where I've looked at my assistants and like jokingly been like, so I'm going home and we're going to review that contract. We're going to make sure that this never happens again. Like didn't think I had to tell human beings that, but cool. We're going to put that in writing. Yeah. Right. It's so crazy. Yeah. We're we're dealing with people like first thing in the morning at like five, six o'clock in the morning when they just woken up and they're still hungover. And like you said, the emotions are really high. You don't know who's who's bitter about the wedding and they, you know, they need to be kept separated, but everybody's got to get ready in the same room. And, you know, so it's, it's all, it's very, definitely very interesting for us. Yeah. You guys are (laughs) therapists and artists all at the same time. So power to you. Yeah. I didn't even think about how early you guys are doing it in the morning too. That's another factor. Exactly. You guys have a lot of factors at play. Sleep exhaustion, hangover, you know, therapy, liability, and you know, you have hot tools and, uh, you know, skincare, chemical reactions and ingredients and things like that. So it's like, you really need to know what you're doing. It's, we don't, we don't just make people pretty. It's, we're not just playing. It's, it's not the, it's not the beauty counter at the mall. So, <laughs> so um, 
let's talk a little bit more about like customizing templates and, and looking for templates. Cause I see a lot of people who will post in, you know, I keep going back to these like Facebook groups. Cause this is where I see a lot of people get a lot of misinformation. Uh, usually yeah. if they're listening to a podcast from somewhere or reading a blog, it's been written by somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. Uh, whereas in a free Facebook group, people can just post a comment and literally anyone can jump in with whatever they think. So, um, but I see people will be like, okay, you know, I need a contract. Can somebody share theirs with me? And I see people share them all the time, or they'll be like, oh, I got this free template from such and such a place. And I always try and like jump in and be like, so if somebody actually got a contract from a lawyer, they spent hundreds of dollars on that. I doubt anyone's willing to give that to you for free. Um, so be very careful if anybody shares a free contract with you, but from like a legal standpoint, what's like, what could happen if someone just uses something free from the internet that they got from somebody else? What, like, who has liability there if they're like, oh, well, I just used it free from the internet. Yeah. Well, there's joint liability between the person who shared it and then you acquiring it. And that falls under copyright law. So, mm -hmm. right. Just as you created an online course, say for HMUAs, mm -hmm. all of that work that you did putting into that course and downloads and such would be copyrighted. Mm -hmm. So are contract templates and so are contracts as a whole. So we have to respect the art, even if you think like lawyers aren't artists. I think mm -hmm. it's a good way metaphorically to understand this. A lawyer utilized their background, their expertise, and their professional degree to draft a contract template, just like you do mm -hmm. as you're, you're like within your art. So when you purchase like a contract template, for example, online, uh -huh. it's a one license to use situation. So you can get in big, big trouble infringement wise for copying or sharing any contract template that you purchase from a company, just like any document that you purchase from a company, mm -hmm. you know, it's usually a one license to use situation. Absolutely. Um, we have this pretty, you know, specifically throughout our website, right? It, you have to agree to our purchase agreement. Um, if I find out about unlawful sharing or plagiarism of our contracts, like I do have to take action, but to mm -hmm. be very honest with you, like 99.999% of our customers are loyal as heck. Yeah. They're buying from an attorney. They're not going to try to get in trouble. Um, so it's not an ongoing issue I face. I would say the biggest issue that I see in like misnomer that you just talked about in Facebook groups is like, well, just get a free template on the internet mm -hmm. um, and, you know, tweak it to your own needs. Um, but you know how you're like not supposed to diagnose yourself on WebMD? Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. For the same reasons, you're not going to want to get a contract from the internet randomly. You don't know who wrote it. You don't know if an attorney wrote it or what state or country it's meant for. Mm -hmm. um, and you're opening yourself up to so many more issues actually with a bad contract versus no contract at all mm -hmm. <laughs> because you have defenses to like just a contractual oral agreement outside of a written terrible contract that's uh -huh. not even enforceable. Um, so just do do yourself a favor, right? Just as you would get a really good website up, uh -huh. just as you would spend money on a really awesome hot tool, like you said, just as you, you know, spend money on additional education to become a better makeup artist or hairstylist. Like this is an overhead cost. That's it is, it seems expensive at the beginning, but you are going to use it time and time and time again. And it's going to pay off tenfold oh, absolutely. in yeah. three to five years. Yeah. So just don't do it. You could get in really big trouble. 
I've seen it happen online. And, um, and then the last thing I will say is just be aware of unauthorized practice of the law right now online. Like, is it even, is this contract backed Mm -hmm. by a lawyer and malpractice? Because if they're not licensed, it's actually illegal for them to do anything and act as if they are an attorney mm-hmm. um, and sell contract templates. So people who aren't lawyers shouldn't be selling contract templates. Yeah. I know that there's a, there's other business coaches that will like include, be like, hey, you get this contract template in the course. And I'm always like, mm, but you're not a lawyer. Like even if they had a lawyer write that contract, like are they using a resale license then under that kind of situation? Or are they just including a contract that they may not have the right to include? Can they be doing that type of thing? Or does it is it like it, it's between them and the lawyer kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, it's between them and the lawyer, but for the most part, most lawyers are not writing custom contracts for that to occur. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So I would assume that the lawyer has no idea because that imputes liability on the lawyer as well, Mm -hmm. that they're giving this away to hundreds of thousands of people. So um, it just, I'm guessing that that is not what they are wanting to have happen with this custom contract that they drafted for somebody. So, um, just be aware of it. It, It's like very commonplace out there in the industry. I just highly don't recommend it. I've seen horror stories occur from it. And that person's actually like putting massive liability on themselves and risk. If something Mm -hmm. were to happen, like they are jointly and severally liable and that hair and makeup artist could come back and basically sue that educator. Yeah. So gotcha. I wasn't sure. Cause I, there's, there's a few that I know of that either sell contract templates or include it in their their business courses. And I always wondered, like, huh, if something happens, like, how does that work? Could that educator or artist end up being sued by somebody or would they have to go after the lawyer who wrote it or whatnot? I always just I was always really curious how that how that could potentially work, whether it was they were able to do something like that. Um, yeah, probably all of the above. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone would be on the hook. Gotcha. So, um, I'm curious, have you seen something that, um, artists try and include into their contracts that aren't necessarily enforceable on a wide scale? Like, are there certain things where it's like, okay, that might be your business practice, but it's probably not going to hold up. Cause I know a lot, it's like, just because it's in your contract doesn't necessarily mean that it's correct and that it will hold up. Are there like any crazy things that you see people try and put in there that you're like, eh, that, that would that would never fly. Try and stick away from those type things. Yeah, no, I have a big one and it's popped up so many times over the past few years and I'm not sure why the HMUA community wants to do it more than others, but the big one we're seeing right now is people wanting to put like a non-disparagement clause or like non-defamation of character clause in their contract um, to prevent like bad reviews from customers and that is a big legal no-no. Yeah, Um, yeah. Consumer reviews and online reviewers are protected under the Federal Consumer Review Fairness Act as long as their statements are truthful Mm -hmm. and just because it's a bad review doesn't mean it's untruthful from the perspective of the person writing it. It it might, you might have a different frame of mind of how that whole situation went down. Uh 
Um, but it's not potentially lying and libel or defamation from the reviewer's standpoint. Gotcha. Um, in fact, in the United States, most states have very specific laws that make it illegal for businesses to interfere with or contract against or manipulate online reviews, yeah. which is, it's so interesting. I'm like, I don't know why our, like, obviously we're worried about bad reviews. Uh-huh. I get it. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think you should. You you absolutely can't do this in a contract. You can't yeah. put this kind of clause in a contract. Like a non-disparagement type of clause is in a business-to-business contract. So if you are like hiring an associate hairstylist mm-hmm. for your wedding, yeah. that's where you would put a non-disparagement clause. It's a business-to-business relationship agreeing, mutual agreement that they're not going to disparage each other online, right, if the business relationship doesn't work out. Okay. But for clients and consumers, you cannot do that. The only place that you would have a clause similar to this is like a confidentiality clause in a settlement agreement or in a cancellation agreement Uh, or a refund agreement. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, I've heard of people doing it in the refund agreements. If here, I'll give you your money back, but you can't turn around and write a bad review. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. You can't even say that. You can't say Mm -hmm. you can turn around and write a bad review. You just have to say you're keeping this refund confidential. Gotcha. Um, Because their experience, like working with you or whatever, that's different from like the actual confidential information that needs to be kept surrounding the refund you gave them and why you gave them the refund. Um, So again, you just can't restrict this. Like it is massively illegal to do that. Okay. Um, but again, like you can combat this in other ways, right? If you do your due diligence and respond back to reviews and be the better professional, people are going to see that. And I think we all don't give our prospective customers enough credit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they are looking at these things and they're kind you know, if you respond back with your side of the story, I mean, they're going to read both and be like, okay, this person is clearly just a little bit out in left field here. Like, yeah everything looks like it went perfectly smooth. So, um, just don't, don't always anticipate that it's going to be worst case scenario here and be very aware that like restricting bad reviews, so to speak, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, because you think it's going to be ultra bad as long as it's truthful. And from their perspective, then, um, it it's allowed online. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I try and coach my students not to worry about a bad review and particularly like if it's a, you know, you have a hundred reviews and they're all, you know, four and a half, five stars. And then you have one, one star, two star review. People are going to look at that and be like, well, what was up with this crazy person? Because everybody else loved this vendor. Why did this one person have an issue? And back when I used to have a salon suite, I had a client come to me once and um, she talked about how she was comparing me and my Google reviews online to another business who did the same thing. And she said that there was a bad review by this other business. And she looked at the way the business owner responded to that review and made her judgment based on that because she was like, you know, I understand that sometimes everything doesn't go perfectly and that someone's going to have a bad experience. I want to know what level of integrity that business owner has to Mm. respond to that so that if I have a bad experience too, I know what I can expect. And she said, you know, that she, she chose me because this other person was, she was so put off by the way that they responded to that review that they were like, Oh, I'm never going to work with this person. And so I try and kind of tell my students, like, 
don't live in fear of of a bad review like like you said you can't control how people view a situation you can't control what they say about it legally but also you can't control what people are going to go out and tell their friends either you know you can just do the best that you can do what you can to make it right and then you got to let the pieces fall where they lay so yeah absolutely i mean definitely these types of things again can be in a refund agreement or a settlement agreement, right? If you have a dispute later on, mm-hmm. you you want to keep that under wraps and just between you and the person that uh-huh. you're partially refunding or coming to a settlement with. Um, but in an actual customer contract, you just, you cannot restrict that. Yeah. But um, I think you can go above and beyond in different ways. So everyone gives you really good reviews. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> just go out there and do your best work and and that's really all you can do as a business owner because not everyone's always going to love everything that you that you do. Um, are there anything else? Is there any other kind of like you can't uh, enforce payment terms or something like that past a certain point or, or whatnot? Oh, no. I mean, the, the big one since COVID is basically like, can you keep funds for services not rendered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's so many people online that say that you can't, but legally, yeah, if you have a contract that says you can, you absolutely can. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to be really careful. Again, is it uh, a reasonable amount of a retainer that you're keeping? What is the opportunity cost for you keeping that amount? What have you done previous service wise for that client in particular, um, and so on and so forth, right? Like how close is it to the date? Do you have the ability to mitigate damages on your own? Um, did you try to do it and then, you know, it didn't work out. So Mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of contractual things there where I always say, Oh heck yeah, you can keep fees paid Uh even if they cancel. Um, so just be aware of that. It's not necessarily what's like in your contract, like what's uh-huh. in your contract is fine. It's just what people are telling you you can't do. Uh-huh. Like they're not lawyers. They have no idea. Exactly. Awesome. So, all right. So we'll start to kind of wrap this up. I have one last question for you. If it comes to a situation where a client threatens to sue as an artist, what is the first thing um, that we should do? Cause I feel like, you know, we hear sue and we kind of freak out and we're like, Oh my God, they want to, they're, they're threatening to sue me. They're going to, they're saying they're, they're going to contact their lawyer as an intimidation tactic, or if, are they really serious? What should we do as a business owner from that point on? Yeah. Unless they're really hefty damages at play here, like thousands and thousands of dollars, Mm -hmm. first and foremost, a lawyer is likely not going to take on that case. Mm -hmm. So, um, they're, it's probably just a bunch of baloney. And if they want to sue you quote unquote, or like file in small claims court, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not easy to do. Mm -hmm. Like it's expensive. It's time consuming. And I mean, I always tell people like, if you feel like you have a really good contract and you have really good arguments on your side, I mean, take a breather and just be like, go ahead. Like, Uh I'm prepared. Like, it's okay. And then I tell people, like, even if they do that, the potential for settlement is so high. Like, cases don't just go to court. They don't just, like, sue you and you're immediately in front of a jury. Like, that's not what happens, even though we think it does Mm -hmm. based upon the TV and movie world. Oh, yeah. Um, The first thing after you kind of, like, take a breather, make it non-emotional. This is just business. This isn't personal. Like, read through your entire contract. Mm -hmm. pinpoint the clause that's relevant to this situation 
and then on your own, try to mitigate this situation, right? Be kind, kill them with kindness, but also reminding them that they signed a contract, like Mm -hmm. their signatures on the bottom dotted line. And this clause is relevant. Like they agreed to it. Uh See if there's a compromise, right. That you would be okay with to avoid any type of lawsuit or I'm most people in the HMUA world are in small claims court. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're not in like a massive, state court litigation situation mm-hmm. um and litigation should be the last resort for both parties because it is expensive like you're bleeding money mm-hmm. and it takes time and sometimes there is no way to avoid it but if you do get into it <laughs> nine times out of ten the lawyers are then just going to settle for you mm-hmm. so you might as well try to do it yourself first without getting lawyers involved exactly um and if you ever need like advice or situation or suggestions on a sticky situation mm-hmm. um our facebook community is a really amazing resource it to get is. help it for really free is, yeah. um so i always tell people like go there first don't be asking in like a big group mm-hmm. <laughs> go to a legal group where you can ask a question and then a lawyer in a group environment can give you an answer on like this is what we suggest moving forward or this is how you should avoid this situation so um that's that's my that's my take on what an artist should do if a client threatens to sue. Gotcha. Um, the big key word here is threaten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Are they actually going to do it? And if you have a solid contract in place, you have a lot of ground to stand on. Yeah. Uh, uh, my best friend was threatened to be sued like a year and a half ago. And I was just like, okay, calm down. Like, First of all, it's not like she's going to be taking, like you said, like it does not happen instantly. It's going to be a long process. Mm-hmm. I was just like, don't, don't freak out. Don't get yourself all worked up. Like she was like having a panic attack and whatnot. And I was like, no, I was like, your contract is solid. Like, calm down. It's cool. Like deep breaths. It'll be fine. And, and nothing ever ended up happening. And I was like, look, this is for such a small amount anyways. I was like, it would cost her more in small court fees yep. than it would even in damages. Like just let her, let her huff and, and puff. I was like, you know, she's probably talking about a lawyer cause like her, her cousin's uncle in law is a lawyer and you know she's like my lawyer is gonna contact you and I was like tell her to be like okay here's the mailing address please make sure that your your lawyer has the correct mailing address I'll keep an eye out um to sign for it when it arrives kind of thing and she was just (laughs) like okay I'll tell her that and I was like okay and and the, the person calmed down and you know they were able to work things out and whatnot but I was just like don't freak out so um yeah, there's probably other things at play is what I always tell people that they're projecting onto you exactly. by threatening to do. So you just gotta, you gotta like diffuse the situation, lay low for a little mm-hmm. bit. I love your take on being like, awesome. Do they have my email address? They can contact me. Yeah. yeah. Is thing. it going to be sent certified mail, right? Be, yeah. I'll sign for yeah, it. Yeah. Your when clients it are going to be, whoa, okay. Uh, I guess they're not scared of this fight, which means that they feel like 
they are in the right and have a defense to it, which you probably do. Yeah. Um, most of the time. So yeah, I don't worry too much. Like try to take a deep breath and don't let that get to you again. It's just business. It's not personal. And you have to kind of like separate those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people like threaten to do those type of things, they're trying to get under your skin. Yeah. Like they're trying to make it personal when it doesn't need to be. Exactly. And I feel like I have a pretty thick skin for those kinds of things too. Cause my mother-in-law is a lawyer and my husband works for the government and deals with lawyers all day long and, and legalese and contract stuff and stuff like that. So I'm like, Oh, like it's cool. I know how this process works. Like, go ahead. It's fine. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you do. I, I think we need to remember, you know, like I'm that same way as well. Um, but there's a lot of people who aren't and that yeah. haven't like experienced any of that or don't have relationships with attorneys or have never like been to court or understood how it goes. And so it can be really scary, exactly, uh, like a really yeah. scary situation in front of them. But again, I think what we're both trying to tell you guys here is, 99% of the time it's not going to move forward. Yeah. So you're going to be okay. And in the 1% chance that it does, um, I can help you. Like we've got you covered. Yeah. We'll, we'll get you on the right footing. Yeah. And that's why you have a good contract and then you don't have to worry because you're like, okay, you know, like I have a legit contract, you know, it's, it's good. Um, so when people are looking for contracts, if they're interested in yours and your contract templates, um, where can they go ahead and get these? Yeah. So the legalpage.com is our online contract shop website, the legal P A I G E.com. It's a play on words with my first name. And we have contract templates for hairstylists, for makeup artists, for weddings and events. We also have associate contracts. If you guys hire on team members to help you out so you can be in multiple places at one time on the same date. Um, we also have all kinds of different, you know, documents that you may need like rescheduling agreements or cancellation agreements. And the good news, is is next week we have a big big sale coming up and i'm very excited about it this year so uh if you are looking to kind of up level your contracts or there's a few things that we talked about in today's episode that you're like oh i need to add in that clause we have a la carte clauses as well that you can Mm -hmm. copy and paste into your existing contract and you can use that little um tactic that I told you to click on the clauses included tab and kind of use it as a checklist. And maybe you do, it is time to write, Mm -hmm. uh, up level your business and boss up a little bit. So the one thing is there, the whole shop will be 40% off or more next week, which is super exciting. I know Suzanne has an additional code that she will put in the show notes for you that you can get even bigger discount um, with your entire purchase. And if you're listening to this episode, I always like to give this disclaimer after Black Friday week. Please don't worry. We have a couple sales every year so you can reach out to our team and we'll let you know um, when the next one is going to happen in the time range for that. So um, not to worry, you didn't miss out. But if you're listening to this before, we're really excited for next week. So you can follow me at the legal page on Instagram, um, on Facebook and get all of the information as well. And I know Suzanne's going to put out um, information surrounding her affiliate code as well. Absolutely. Yeah, so the the direct, um, the link and everything is going to be in the show notes. And then I also do have a blog topic where I do talk about the types of clauses that makeup artists and hairstylists doing weddings should kind of make sure that they have in their contract, kind of like how I coach people through those if-then statements. So there's a little bit more information. So I'll include the link to that blog post as well. Um, And then at the end of the blog post, there's always um, 
the links as well to Paige's templates because um, she is who I use and who I recommend to all of my coaching students. So thank you so much for joining me today, Paige. It has been wonderful having you. I feel like there's was a lot of really great information here for people um, and, and hopefully uh, the sale goes well for you guys. I know that you guys always do uh, really good during uh, that time of year. A lot of people brush up on their contracts right before engagement season. So I feel like you guys have that perfectly timed for the best time to do that. Yeah, it's a good time to do it at the end of the year. And um, the last thing I'll say is it's 100% deductible. That's really good for business yes. expenses at the end of the year. So if you're looking for an additional <laughs> write-off, lots of people purchase from us on our kind of like end of the year sale mm-hmm. for that purpose. If you just want a little bit more to um, send to the tax man, then you can do it through the legal page exactly. shop. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I always in December. I'm like, so any tools I need to upgrade? Do I need a new microphone? for my computer <laughs> what, do, what do I need to get yeah those last little minute lesson at uh, tax write-offs were always great to get in before the end of the year so yeah you need contract templates That's exactly what I exactly because <laughs> it'll pay itself back if you think a contract template is expensive having a bad contract and losing out that money because you didn't have yourself protected is way more expensive than you would ever pay for um, a good contract it, it'll cost you more in the long run to not be protected Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. It was so good to chat with you all. And if you have any additional questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm here to help. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You have a wonderful rest of your day, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you feel empowered, knowledgeable, and capable of handling anything that your business throws your way. Don't forget to subscribe to get access to new episodes as they are released each week on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Love today's episode? Let me know. Leave me a review and tell me what your biggest takeaway was from the conversation. Have a request for a future topic or someone you'd like to hear me interview? Find me on Instagram at beautybizcollective and drop me a DM. And if you're hungry for more actionable content to help you grow your bridal business, go to www.swearsanddoeshair.com slash bookmorebrides to sign up for my free on-demand training and learn how to book better quality brides faster, easier, and with less stress.